Hello, Adam Buxton here. Honestly, I can't remember if there's swearing in this podcast or not. If there is, there's really not much of it. What there is much of is inconsequential chat. Here we go. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan. Hey, how you doing? It's Podjob here, recklessly tossing out his razor-edged chat hat into the uh, public sphere. Um, that's not a nice image, is it? That could cause a lot of damage, not to mention decapitation. And that's not the point of the podcast. Uh, the, what is the point? The point, I suppose, is to communicate some kind of uh, vaguely thoughtful levity. That's what it says on my contract with myself. Uh, in which case, a better thing to line the edge of the chat hat with would be uh, like strawberry-flavoured sugar. A bit like the rim of a, a strawberry margarita. Oh, mate. Come on. It's Friday morning, though, isn't it? It's too early for the strawberry margaritas. Um, yeah, that would be better, I think, for Pod Jobs chat hat. But listen, th- that's probably all a bit mystifying. For anyone who has never seen Goldfinger. Or anyone who, who has. How are you doing, Podfellows? Nice to be back with you. For this, the last in the current season of the Adam Buxton podcast. Thank you very much indeed for all your continued friendly and supportive messages on SoundCloud and on Twitter and on my blog. I've got a blog, I've got a blog. Rudy, Rudy, Schmoody, Rudy, blog, blog, blog. I've got a blog. Here's the address, here's the address. It's adam-buxton.co.uk, so check it out. And on the blog you will find posts for, I think, every episode of the podcast thus far. Actually, except for the Rob Delaney one. I just got swamped that week and didn't have time to do a corresponding blog post. But there's one for um, the conversation I had with Catelyn Moran last week just because I wanted to link to some of the things that we were talking about, particularly the books that I mentioned, uh, the ge- what's it called? Uh, Delusions of Gender and The Female Brain. Um, and in fact, I include a message from someone called John. He sent me a message via my blog. He says, I'll quote the beginning of it, with reference to your comments about brain gender at the beginning of the Catlin Moran podcast, the consensus within mainstream neuroscience and psychology, which immediately makes me think, wow, John is in mainstream neuroscience and psychology, although I have no idea whether he is or not. You could get in touch and tell me, John. Uh, is that brain gender is influenced by both nature and nurture. Melissa Hines, director of Cambridge University's Hormones and Behaviour Research Lab, arguably the UK's leading expert in this field. You've got to watch out for the word arguably, though, right? Uses the books you mentioned at the beginning of a panel debate 
to illustrate how evidence is often distorted to support polemical arguments. And I include a uh, link to the YouTube video of that interesting panel debate there. But I'm exactly the kind of person, of course, that is being buffeted by these pop science books and polemical debates because I'm very easily swayed when it comes to this kind of thing. I'm like the plastic bag in in, uh, American Beauty being blown around by the prevailing winds, waiting to be filled with other people's heavy shopping. Anyway, so that's the blog. This week, uh, Louis Theroux, my old friend Louis, the journalist, documentarian and filmmaker. And uh, this is another couple of conversations from the couple of days we spent in Los Angeles last year in Louis's garage, chatting about various things. So shut up, Buckles. Play a jingle and roll a convo. OK, here we go. Do you like it when ladies put on makeup in public, on public transport, etc.? Uh, I can't say that I've. It's not something you think about. Really, ever given it a second thought? Here's what I always think: like, wh- why? It seems weird to me that the whole business of putting on makeup for a, a lady or a man or whoever chooses to wear makeup, right? Is a um, what they're trying to do is 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 make themselves look special and nice and exciting, right? And that's a bit of theatre. I mean, I would associate makeup with theatre and, you know, even if a person is in in real life, it's still a sort of theatrical gesture, right, to put on makeup. And uh, that is something that you would want to do in private. Like, taking the theatre analogy, you would do that in your dressing room and then you would come out on stage, as it were, at the party or wherever you're going to be. And, ta-da, look, oh, you look great, kind of thing. But what's the point of... You wouldn't, like, get ready for a show at the theatre in front of the audience. No, you wouldn't. So I don't understand why women think it's acceptable to do all their makeup routine in front of you on the train, for example. Like, I was sat opposite a lady who must have been, I don't know, in her mid-30s, taking a long time to... I mean, she was at it for about an hour, I would say, from start to finish, putting her whole face on. And she did a great job. I just thought, why are you doing it in front of everybody else? Who's this for? Is this just for one? Not for you. No, it's not for me. (laughs) Not for you. And I think that's the important point, isn't it? Because she's in private. Yeah. In her world, she's in private. She doesn't... You're a member of the technical team. (laughs) You know, you're you're not a real person. I'm crew. You're not your crew. You're not paying public. Yeah. So she's mixing with the unwashed, such as yourself. And then when she... And when she gets to her work with the high-end personnel that she meets in her work, then that's showtime. Yes. The show hasn't started yet, 
when she's mixing with buckles. So we should be slapping her on the back and saying, have a great one. Yeah. Break a leg. Yeah. Well, although it might be one of those sets where the crew's not allowed to address the the stars, you right. know? Like when Ricky Gervais, <laughs> apparently, that's terrible gossip, isn't it? Some of these stars, it's in their contract that you're not allowed to talk to them unless spoken to or even look at them. Right. Have you not heard of that? Yes, I have, but it, it seems like... Who have you heard that in connection with? <sighs> well... Did you hear it with Ricky Gervais? No, I didn't. I, mean, I would be surprised. I would think that that... I would, know, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. I, I mean, people have said it about people like Mariah Carey, you know. But even she denies strenuously her deverish behaviour. You know, the only rumors. thing is um, she can only be photographed from one side, right? And she, she kicks up a fuss... If tr- people try and photograph her bad side, she makes a big stink, which I thought was ludicrous until I saw um, a picture of her from the wrong side. <laughs> she looks like a different person. <laughs> it's actually quite weird. And I have a good side and a bad side. Everyone does, sure. So I realised since then, so I kind of, I, now I get that. I well, try not to make a stink about it's it. It's one of those things that seems ridiculous when you hear about people requesting that when you're young, you just think, how vain and s- silly. But, uh, yeah, if you have to get your photograph taken a People few times. People used to say it was almost like one of those comedy, um, sort of off-the-peg comedy phrases. Are you getting my good side? That's right. <laughs> That's not my but, good side. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's something in that. Uh, so, but I, so I think really for you to feel odd. You know, it's women saving half an hour of the day as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm not putting On them. the tube. No one wants... No, on the tube, mm. I mean... It's it's like being, I mean it's it's a very odd space, isn't it? especially those London deep line tubes, not the Metropolitan line, but one of those really deep line tubes, like Piccadilly line, where it's barely t- high enough to to, to stand upright, mm-hmm. and everyone's like in each other's faces, but pretending that they're not. I think you can get away with almost anything on there. I mean, I think you could practically go to the toilet without people making a fuss. Sometimes people do. Uh, what about you could like wash your um, wash your nuts? You could put deodorant on and <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon you could put deodorant? Yeah. on? I don't think you could Are put you... deodorant on. Well, I mean, I reckon you. I think that would be could. that would be awful. There was some guy I went for a walk yesterday. It's like uh, eating on? The, would you eat on the tube if it was crowded? No, You'd try not to. But but I mean, then, you know, I've done things that I know are not very good like I I once had a sandwich and I talked about this on the radio once I think but I I went to see the film Sunshine with Edgar Wright the uh, talented film director and I had a sandwich while we were watching the film it was a turkey stuffing sandwich that I got from uh, Tesco Metro on the way because I hadn't had lunch and Edgar did not appreciate it at all because he's a, a cinephile you know and he wants the experience well you ate it during the sh- during, during the movie, during the movie. Oh. and i did think i was embarrassed as soon as i opened this sandwich was it, crin- was it sort of making crinkling crackling no 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 because i really hate that i mean i i, I hate noise <laughs> but then i was embarrassed because i opened it and it did there was a like some food is odorless right so it's not going to be an issue but this one the the turkey stuffing had quite a, an aroma and so I thought, hey, this is not ideal. But I've opened it now, and I am hungry, so I'm just going to have it. But I did notice Edgar, like, shifting around. Really? And sort of not saying anything, but clearly thinking, mate, you don't eat 
during a film and you definitely don't i mean you can eat popcorn and all that stuff i suppose but even that's not ideal but you definitely don't eat a turkey it was the noise it was sandwich. the smell not the noise i would say yeah yeah because i was making no noise i mean it was really a joyless uh, experience eating this sandwich because I was being so careful not to make any noise and I was so aware of You have to do that thing of like not eating during the quiet bits and then when there's an explosion you just yeah. eat. <laughs> 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 when, when all the bass kicks yeah. in and stuff as soon as Pinback emerged from the shadows and started terrorising the crew then I would <laughs> but then uh, as if Edgar was controlling the whole universe. When I got on my way home from the film, I started feeling a little queasy. And by the time I got home, I was shivering uncontrollably and I had got food poisoning from this sandwich. Wow. I was in bed for a day and a half. Karma. Yeah, it's absolute karma. I learned my lesson. What do you think about um, sitting in front of people when you get to the cinema? Like, do you think, oh, I better not sit in front of those people? people because then I'll be in front of them and they'll, they'll struggle to see. I, try not, I mean, you're taller than I am, so that's more of an issue for you. But for, not sitting down. Really? No, because your head's still going to be poking. Tall people are still taller in a well, seat. Well, I think most of it's in my legs. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? That's nonsense. Your, the, the, your torso and your body, that's taller it's, than I mine. think it's probably about the same as yours. Yeah, I'm a little gnomey. No, I think probably from waist up we're about the same height. <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't sit. I would try and find somewhere where I wasn't sitting in front of someone. And even then, if it's a crowded cinema, I'm going to slump down yeah. as well. You know what I mean? And I certainly, there's no hats or anything like that going on, because that drives me There's nuts. a cinema, art, an art house in my car, I remember which one, it's, it's in sort of, it's just between Haymarket and, and uh, Leicester Square, and it's got a very bad rake, like oh, it's yeah. almost flat. I don't want to bad mouth it, but anyway, you don't get a good view. Right. And we sat down, but without really realising it, I guess we were in front of someone, and they flipping got up, walked round and sat in front of us. To teach you a lesson? Yeah. So childish. Wow. Why couldn't they just have moved somewhere else? Moved somewhere else. else. Yeah, that is weird. No, generally I would go to... Because because the whole scenario makes me anxious. All that stuff makes me anxious. So I would usually go to the movies in the afternoon. Like, try and pick a, a, a quiet showing. Joe and I used to go. Whenever we, whenever we would do our movie going, optimum time would be first showing Monday afternoon when often we were the only people there. Don't you like the vibe of a, of a packed... It's like I saw Edge of Tomorrow uh, a few nights back and the, it, it was completely full. And it's hard to beat that feeling of an open, opening weekend where everyone in the cinema is really engaged. It's completely full. It's, a, it's an amazing vibe. That is, yes, that's a different experience, isn't it? But if you're going for just the comfort of watching the the thing and engaging with it one-on-one, then I want a quiet showing. But yeah, I agree with you. I remember, do you, did we go and see Die Hard in New York back in the day? Do you remember that? I don't think I was at that because I think Joe came and stayed with me afterwards and he was talking about it and I went and saw it again Oh yeah, in Cape Cod. Well, that was fun. But the Americans, I would say, are a bit too chatty in general in the cinema, don't you think? Um... Just like unfiltered, it, it, it's as if they're like children, and they're commenting on everything. And 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 I've been to a few showings, so this is across all demographics, right? Well, the cliche is that if you go to like a a, um, a sort of inner city screening, like with basically with a predominantly black audience, yeah. African American. I don't know if it applies in Britain. But that there's a lot of interaction with the screen. Yeah, but I'm saying that that's the case uh, across the board. Across the board, yeah. 
because I went to a showing of a film the other day and uh, there weren't that many people in the screening and there were mainly white faces there and they were all just and it was the film Chef John Favreau so you know not like a big kind of kicking and punching action adventure thing that you would think most people would be like yeah come on whoa it was fairly um you know tame and and uh not the kind of thing that you would expect to to be shouting out about but people were still sort of saying oh yeah you told him yeah that's right oh no no i don't believe it and all this kind of really? stuff really yeah it's like oh that's got to hurt all this crap that, that surprises me a little bit actually that was at the art club really yeah that's a fancy cinema yeah yeah that does surprise me no I, I mean i like a bit of that i don't like a bit of that do you not no i want silence absolute silence in norwich where i live in the east anglia that's one of the things that i thought i'm gonna really like it here because you go to the odeon I guess it varies depending on what you're seeing, maybe. But my experience has been predominantly: you can go to a pretty full showing and people shut up and they just watch the movie. You know, there's no phones ringing, there's no commentary, there's none of that. It's great. Um, I still chuckle when I remember you went to see the unbearable lightness of being, and then halfway through, someone shouted out "unbearable" right. and walked out. And walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a show the other day in London, um, doing this show bug that I do occasionally. And we were doing a special on XL recordings, home of uh, The Prodigy, White Stripes, Radiohead, Peaches, other world-beating acts. And the climax of the show was me asking the audience to choose between two classic, so-called classic Prodigy videos – one of them was, and this was a playlist that I that, that had been put together by the organisers of Bug. I hadn't chosen the videos, but they had said to me, okay, and at the end, ask the audience, because we don't have time to show all of them, but ask the audience to choose between the video for Breathe by The Prodigy uh, and Smack My Bitch Up, right? You remember that? Mm-hmm. And I don't personally like that video for Smack My Bitch Up. I remember when it came out, and it wasn't so much the sexism, although that was quite a big factor. I just thought it was a crap, stupid video, right? Mm-hmm. With a, um, it's the if you a, haven't seen a twisty it, ending. Yeah, it's it, it's all shot POV, right? Yeah. A horrible night out in Soho of someone who you assume is a man going up, getting absolutely hammered, like beer after beer, shot after shot, getting into a fight on a dance floor, uh, grabbing a woman, and she slaps him, and he kind of shoves her away. All the time you're assuming this is a he. Yeah, it's very, like, debauched man out on the yeah. town. And then, like, you know, and vomiting into the sink and uh, hoovering up drugs and all this stuff. It's really grimy. And, uh, and then right at the end goes to a hotel room, starts having uh, sexual relations with uh, a, another lady. And, uh, and then the lady sort of gets up, I think, and flounces out at a certain point. And then you get a, a, a view of the person. In a mirror. In a mirror, and it's a woman. It's an attractive woman. Back in your face. Right back in your face with your preconceptions. Because women can do that too. Yeah. I just thought, so what if women can do that too? That doesn't excuse any of that. That was just a horrible litany of mm. revolting behavior from a man or a woman. I don't mm. care. Anyway, uh, I'm sort of... Uh, and it's a man using... It's directed by a man. Yeah, it's directed by a bloke. Using yeah. a woman as a proxy to sort of... Get away with all Get this. away, like, license him to do all those things. Yeah. 
I thought it was a pretty lame video. Anyway, you know, it's got a certain notorious cachet, doesn't it? Yeah. And, um, I guess it reminds people of the, the edgy 90s. Um, what if he'd been a dead woman? <laughs> like a ghost. Like a sixth sense kind of thing. How, how would you reveal that? Why would that make it better? Be Bruce Willis. Bruce, if it was Bruce Willis <laughs> dressed as a woman. <laughs> I like twisty Bruce, endings. If it was Bruce Willis dressed, dressed as a woman. Dressed as a woman saying, and they were all ghosts <laughs> or just, would they all be, he interacts with. No, he interacts with real people. But he, in the sixth sense, he only interacts with yeah, that's ghosts, right, that's doesn't right. he? I think if it was... Don't or worry is he about, dead? Yeah, he is dead. Listen, don't worry about him being dead. I think that complicates him. It's, it's Bruce Willis dressed as a woman yeah. with uh, prosthetic breasts, which are out on display. Would that be less sexist? Yes. Yeah, it would be, because it would be more weird. Yeah, that's how I would have done it. Anyway, so I'm saying to the audience, okay... Now, you can choose, and I, I didn't want to prejudice the whole thing too much, but I did sort of indicate that I was kind of down on Smack My Bitch Up a little bit. So I said, you know, you could uh, choose between the non-sexist video for Breathe, which I consider to be a, a superior track for what it's worth, or you can go for the other video for Smack My Bitch Up uh, by The Prodigy and uh, vote now. And overwhelmingly, the audience voted for the Smack My Bitch Up video. Mm-hmm. At which point, a lady in the front row got up and said, and I think she was American, and she spun round uh, to look at the whole of the audience, packed audience at the BFI, and she put up her middle finger and said, and that's why you all can fuck off. And she, fla- and she said it really loudly really? and uh, flounced out of the cinema. I thought it was a very good gesture quite ballsy yeah it was brilliant yeah i think that is kind of cool. and people assumed that she was a plant um that we set it up no 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 it's great I, I think people who can do that i have a lot of respect for that I, I it's not really it's not my style no i think it was i don't know you've got to be confident to pull that off i mean she really did though it was great I thought, good. I mean, I was a little embarrassed, obviously. Really? And what did you say after that? Because I felt complicit. I felt like one of the sexist people, you know, because I was just about to play this video. But I said, I I called after her and I said, you know, it's okay. It turns out to be a woman. I don't know if you've seen it. That was like a joke, you know. But um, I must say, I I did admire her. I thought that was a good move. Have you ever um, heckled? No. Because in a way, that's a different kind of heckle. Because she's sort of heckling the audience. Her I th- own. I mean, I felt like part. she was heckling all of us. You know, she was heckling me for even suggesting that I would play. But she thing. wasn't talking to you. She said she turned round. Yeah, she turned. She aimed it. At, she directed it at yeah. the audience that had just voted for the video. Yeah. I thought it was good. It's an interesting power dynamic because, like, would you have you ever heckled someone that you strongly I'm disapproved of on to stage? Think if I have. I don't think I have. I've, I've occasionally it's crossed my mind. Yeah. What struck me from because I thought about doing a documentary on comedians for a while, and clearly in the comedians' universe, hecklers loom quite large, and what you get is the feeling of comedians feeling very embattled, as though um, that uh, hecklers are out of order. That, that hecklers shouldn't exist. That you know they're on stage, and the contract is that we talk and you shut up and listen. 
And um, and I I was struck by that because I sort of thought actually no it isn't quite that clear cut because really um, if what you're saying is is absurdly unfunny or offensive a like people are within their rights to to call you out on that and b that a lot of the most interesting comedy seems to for my purposes come out of that encounter of dealing with hecklers and that you know heckler can be a boon but evidently they're virtually never seen that way hecklers are seen as a as the lowest of the like an a, a, you know unmitigated kind of um enemy and um yeah rude and i mean i think the thing is I, but you I, have no right to heckle yeah i know what you're saying and and i think i i i've thought that myself and i think that the deal is like if the comedian wanted to just get his point across or his jokes across uninterrupted then he needs to reposition the the show a little bit. It needs to be more of a theatrical piece. And the, the, that way the audience can understand that it's not appropriate to engage with it the, the same way that if you went to see a Shakespeare play, yeah. you wouldn't start calling out, that's a shit line, I could have done that better. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, you wouldn't do that. You would, you would, anyone who did that would be mental. Right, although can I add a caveat, which is mm-hmm. that at the Globe... They don't invite hecklers, but they invite audience participation, and in in and, and they they set it up as the kind of in the spirit of Shakespeare himself that the people in the audience should shout things like "Give him a kiss" or okay, like a panto situation, kind of panto esque. That's yeah. what they used to do back in the day, is it? Yeah, and actually, that's part of the vibe at the Globe, and I think and it's kind of one of the things that makes the Globe kind of a cool experience. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Todd Barry, for example, um, he's pretty hard line. He doesn't really appreciate... Any heckles. Heckles. But what he has done is sort of cleverly... I mean, he does crowd work. He's done a whole special where he just... He doesn't have any written material, just goes on and interacts with the crowd. So obviously, that's a big part of what a lot of comedians do is so-called crowd work and stuff. But once you're in the flow of your bit, especially if it's quite a finely wrought piece... Like Stuart Lee is someone who crafts his bits so that they need to be delivered in their entirety and there's a certain rhythm to them and you need to get from point A to B without it being interrupted. Otherwise, he really will be well, derailed. Well, I saw a Stuart Lee show about three or four months ago and it wasn't a heckle, but someone in a slightly brusque and out-of-context way called on him to perform a certain bit and it threw him a tiny bit and he came back to it and he started slightly picking on uh the guy not in a in a nasty way but he he kept worrying away and coming back to that guy and saying oh you want to see that bit and and blah blah, blah. but it became kind of um one of the best riffs in the whole show mm. and he said like, i'm not doing that bit you know that bit's shit and i don't do it anymore and then i can't remember how he, he kind of went on a on a thing with it and then of course paid it off in the end by doing it and it was like I say like it really um, it was a pretty good show overall anyway but that felt like maybe the best thing in it Hmm. you know the fact that because you're suddenly aware that here's it's like you know this isn't planned and this is something yeah that real stuff always feels it was really kind of cool yeah yeah we're halfway through the podcast I think it's going really great the conversation's flowing like it would between a geezer and his mate. All right, mate. Hello, geezer. I'm pleased to see you. Ooh, 
there's so much chemistry It's like a science lab of talking I'm interested in what you said Thank you There's fun chat and there's deep chat It's like Chris Evans is meeting Stephen Hawking You've got children, right? Yes, I do. Do they say a lot of funny stuff? Like, I mean, most parents enjoy the the, the crazy things their children say. Yeah, they do, I would say. Especially, they're six and eight. And as as you know, they get older and they don't say... They come out with fewer weird expressions. But the six-year-old still occasionally can mangle English in an amusing way. And he's held on to a couple of uh, things he used to say as a small boy. Like, I don't know, because he thinks... It makes it it's cute, or I'm not sure why, but he has got a few little nothing that funny though. They're like little egg egg corn factories. You hadn't heard of egg corn, no. I mean, you know obviously what they are, but you've never heard that term. No, I, I mean they're a bit like malapropisms, aren't they? I suppose so, yeah. But I like I, I think as I was saying to you yesterday, the the nice thing about the egg corn is that the mangled version has a logic of its own. That's right. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And uh, so hope my daughter. It's quite good for them because she's five and a half. That's maximum egg corn time. Is it? I think so, yeah, yeah. because they're just, they half know what they're talking about, but not really. Yeah. And they're making their own sense of a world they don't fully understand. So, for example, uh, we went to a fair the other day and she referred to the Ferris wheel as the fairest wheel. That's quite good. Uh, and that's that, good. Because it's like fairest in the sense of most beautiful. Yeah, that's good. That's the fairest wheel. Let's go on that. I mean, not that there were other wheels there that were less fair. That's good. I've got one, right? When I I kept saying to my kids, I want to do an interview. I want to do an interview with you guys um, because, you know, while you're this age. This was a couple of years ago, and I sat them down, and they were excited about doing an interview, right? Yeah. Although they didn't really know what an interview was. So I sat them down, and I started filming, and I said, like, sit straight. And then they immediately, like, after about 30 seconds said, this is so boring uh, when's it going to start I go this is it and pretty goes but I thought you were going to do an int of me <laughs> which I thought was quite good where's the int yeah <laughs> aren't you doing an int of me <laughs> they kind of they're good because they reveal something about English and the way it's constructed what could that mean to him then what is the int of him uh, I don't know but he just knew that yeah. Sorry. It's fine. We'll pay attention to you later, electric piano. <laughs> That's nice that it says, it's saying good night, saying, isn't it? That's what it was saying. Oh, right, yeah. I think. I'm going away now. I'm going away now. Oh, that is nice. Um, uh, yes, I think he didn't know what an int was, mm. but he wanted one done of him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't feel like he was getting one done of him. No, this is not the int of me that I was after. <laughs> Hope the other day as well said... She she asked for an apple, and you know, a lot of the times they go for an apple, and she said, no, don't slice it, I'm just going to eat it like a grown-up, so I said, all right, go on then, I said, you make sure you eat it though, because don't just take one bite and then you leave the apple there and it goes brown and yeah, it's no good, that goes in the bin, that's a waste. So a few minutes later she came back and she'd done a pretty good job, it was just the core left, and she said, look dad, I ate it right down to the nuts. And uh, nice, yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty good. But what was she trying to say? Down to the hips. Oh, so would that be an egg corn? 
I, I don't know if that's... I mean, that's certainly in the eggcorn universe. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess not because it's not a proper Technically, phrase. that's not an eggcorn. No, it's not, a, it's not an actual phrase that she's mangling there. It's yeah. a concept. She is... Uh, it's an enjoyable confusion of pips and nuts that then takes on an altogether less appropriate... Yeah, yeah. ...thing. How about this? Do you are your children at an age yet where they are beginning to use phrases that you find annoying and you think maybe you should curb? I'll give you an example. Okay. Frank and Nat, who are a bit older than your chaps, I think. Um, they are uh, nine and uh, eleven. Um, Natty, especially, who watches a lot of viral videos online and likes all that world. Yeah. He has started to say lol. Right. If he thinks something is funny. So the other day at supper, he, he sort of said, uh, yeah, someone said something amusing and he just went, <laughs> lol. Really? Like he said it? He actually used it in the the way that you would think that it is supposed to be used. Like he was online? Yeah. He just said, <laughs> lol. And FFS. My, my heart sank a little bit. Because obviously, you you know, if you're going to pull out lol, you would want... To have lol covered in quite a lot of irony sauce. Yeah, that's funny. Like, uh, and so did you? Did you say anything? Well, I thought about it. I thought, like, wow, I really don't want my son to just say lol unironically. For Christ's sake! I thought you I were thought saying good night. He's not, he's not settling. Oh, I've got to turn it off. That's the secret. There we go. Um, it wasn't saying good night. It was saying like, saying, if I'm you want still me to here. stop, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a reminder, just a little reminder that I am still switched on. <laughs> um, yeah, he. I, I thought, well, is this? This is my. Maybe this is just my problem. You know what I mean? He's just having fun. He's not even ten. He can say what he wants, but then I just thought I've. I should make it. Should I say anything just to give him a little heads up that an unironic lol is is punishable by death? Well, what did you do? Uh, I, I think I just said, don't say lol. Did you? <laughs> yeah. And then Frank was wielding the uh, Seinfeld-derived, really? Is that from Seinfeld? Yeah, he came There's up with it. such a really epidemic. Really? Really? Really, really, I, that 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 gets. Does he? Yeah, that gun kind of puts my back up when oh, anyone uses it, mate. It's so rampant at the moment. It really is because it seems to be just a all-in-one personality package, doesn't it? Yeah. If you use that, then it's like shorthand for. Uh, I've got a quirky sense of ironic detachment, or it's it's like a comment on what's even John Stewart's used it a couple of times. It's also kind of a. Well, I, I'm not going to make a joke. I'm just going to signal that a joke is being made without making one. Right. Really? And um, it seems... It's but you see, lazy, that, that, that really that you just did was too animated there. It's supposed to be wearier. Really? Really? This really? is happening? You know? Can't, you, can't it be really? No, because that's something different. That's, What's that then? That's more engaged and interested. That's just like, I don't like either one. No, I don't. Really? I don't like it. Yeah. So, would you say anything if one of the if one of your if the fellows... kids? I'm trying to think. Occasionally, they pick up a phrase like "this isn't," a, 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 you know, a weird phrase. They, they just got into saying, "But that's not fair on me," <laughs> and it became like a little catchphrase. Catchphrase. 
that they'd learned, uh, you know, relatively young, and it was just, uh, I just just put my back up a bit. I didn't say anything about it. You didn't? It. No. Well, this is the thing. You see, I did mention it. I said to Frank, like, you know, Frank, really? That's pretty, that's, uh, it gets used a lot. You may want to search for something a little less... Uh, less, like, hacky. Like, you were actually critiquing him from yeah. a, a, com- a comedian's perspective. I, oh, I Get some new material. <laughs> I didn't feel like it was from a comedian's perspective. Either way, it's not really good behaviour from a dad, though, is it? To, to start making your child feel self-conscious about the way they speak. If they, especially if they're just they're just having fun flexing their muscles in a world of. I find myself sp- I find myself sparring with my kids sometimes, uh, because I find it funny. And then I think, am I sort of training them to be facetious at school, which I don't really want to be doing? Yeah. Like you know, just silly things like, um, you know, like oh that's great. You know, call me when your brain grows back, <laughs> or you know, just like <laughs> insulting. <laughs> Playground put playground put downs, yeah, yeah, and because I find it amusing, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, I and then I think then I think it's maybe that's not good parenting. Call me when your brain go- grows back is good though, and and I mean obviously the teacher wouldn't really want to hear that. I don't know what the right thing. <laughs> I I just enjoy that. Um, I don't know, like, but I've always found that, that those. Um, Playground put downs quite funny. Yes, and so like, do you remember the one? Um, you'd go up to someone and you'd say, um, are, you, "Are you a bummer tied to a tree?" <laughs> yeah, that's and right. they go, "No," and then you go, "Bummer on the loose," <laughs> and run around. Yeah, and, um, and 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 I always thought that was quite funny. And then there's a few like that. Or you say, like, you go up with an apple in your hand, you say, do you want a fruit punch? Remember that one? I do remember that one. And they go, yeah, okay. And then you, here's the fruit, here's your punch, and you punch them. Yeah. So, like, I, I find that amusing. And and then I began thinking that would be quite a funny bit if the Adam and Joe show was still on to, as a grown-up to film you doing that to gro- to other grown-ups. <laughs> you know, as a remote piece, like, yeah. out on the street. And how, what kind of reaction? Like, can you still use those put downs? I think you'd be in trouble with bummer on the loose, wouldn't you? That's not. Uh, it, what on sort of like the LGBT community may may have a problem with that. But it's not LGBT that um, just bum, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, all, that's, that's a, true. A lot that's of true. people bum. But, but in the place, and actually, is that about bumming? What is bumming? Well, uh, sodomy, isn't it? Are we talking about I guess, sodomy? I guess. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> if we want to be bald about it. I think that's gender neutral. I think you could make a pretty good case. Sure, everyone loves bumming. But um, I think in the <laughs> in the playground, though, they were mainly being homophobic, weren't they? Maybe. Gosh. I think you could get away with it, but maybe I'm... I didn't, like the, I didn't like the violent ones, I have to be honest with you. Like Did what? you ever deliver the fruit punch then? No, no, because because some people. No, I no, I would just play act it. Okay, well that's the nice way. But some people used to go for a real punch. I got hit really? in the face once when someone came over and invited me to smell the cheese. Did you ever get that? Oh it was, yeah. They would they would open up their palm and then they would that's, lay. That's like then they would lay their fist uh, on their other palm. So so you open up your left hand yeah. and then you lay your right hand as a fist on that palm. And then you say, smell the cheese. And you think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'll give it a go. So you lean in and take a smell. And then they 
biff you on the nose. No, I didn't. That's not cool. I hate that. I like the more random ones, like, um, did you you hold your fingers crossed and you say, break the cross. Oh, yeah. Break I'm the gonna cross. I'm going to break it right now. I'm... You killed Jesus. Oh. <laughs> I remember that one. That is just bizarre. Yeah. I think I, uh, there was variations on that as well, wasn't was there? It? I don't know any others. You killed a fairy, I think. Really? Was. But it's worse to kill Jesus than a fairy, I think. Why Is would it? there be a fairy on a cross? That makes zero. That makes even less sense. I didn't think it was possible to make less sense, but that makes even less sense. Yeah, that's. of course it's about the cross. I thought it was just about, like... This is a special <laughs> thing. That's I love that you were doing that and you didn't even know what it meant. Had no clue. This is I'm drifting through my whole life like this. And then, what will your policy be on swearing? Do you swear in front of your children? Um, no, I it, I I basically don't. Sometimes my wife does. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, what I, kind of bombs is she dropping? Well, everything but the c word. I would say really not deliberately. It's not yeah. a policy, but sure, it happens. It slips out every now and again. She's uh, very um, emotionally available. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't though I'm, I, th- I don't maybe you'd need to get someone else to, I mean I feel like I don't mm-hmm. but um, I mean a, do you? Uh, no what? one really wants to no no, no one thinks like, oh that's fine uh, in, in very like when when they got past a certain age when they were old enough to understand that I was angry about something and what it was and and I wanted to kind of really hit my point home, I might wheel out a... You know, I might say, listen, that is just bullshit. Whoa. Bullshit. And then they would know, like, whoa, Dad's talking to me like an actual grown-up. He's serious about this. What would it... What kind of thing was it? It would be like, oh, Dad, I didn't realise, you know. I was like, I asked you to switch that off ten minutes ago. What's going on? I didn't realise. Do you think shit... That is bullshit. Whoa. Did you give them that look that you just gave me? Sure I did. Absolutely. Do you not find that there's a a degree of acting that you need to do every now and again that really stretches you? What about BS? Why don't you just go FFS? That is BS. You should just... Maybe you need to speak speak to them using more internet acronyms. Really? I probably should have done, yeah. Dad, I I didn't realise I had to switch it off. Really? Did he say... (laughs) Has he ever... Has Nat ever said rotful? (laughs) Ruffle. Ro- oh, well, I think rotful's okay as well. It's on the, the internet, you don't put the T in there. I've heard, I've seen rotful. Rotful sounds quite good as well. Rotful. <laughs> yeah, but rotful is something else. Rotful just conjures up images of, of rotting. Rotful. Rolling on the floor laughing. Whereas ruffle puts you in mind of fun things. Like, like Rolf Harris? Ruffle Harris. <laughs> 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 That's the thing. I uh, no, I don't. Uh, did I your, did your swear. parents swear in front of you? Yes, they used to say Christ, Jesus Christ. They used to say a lot. Wow, you're counting that as swearing, wouldn't you? Taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, I, I anything you wouldn't want to hear your kids say is pretty much a swear word, isn't it? I suppose. Like I don't like hear, hearing them say, "Oh my God!" I. I Yes, I, I didn't like hearing that. I know it's, it's true, isn't it? It's funny. I'd say, please, say gosh, and which I know sounds really lame, doesn't no, it? No, I do the same because I it, and it's not like I'm very religious, uh, but I just don't think it's attractive to hear like a little child saying, "Oh my god," it just sounds too disrespectful. 
It's too strong. It's too strong. Why is it too strong? Like, if it doesn't mean anything to them, and, and it doesn't... You're, you know, like... It's too strong because um, there's a, there's a, a sizable minority of people who'd be offended by it, yeah. I think. It does have some cultural overtones. Yeah, of course. And God might hear. And then he would totally fuck up your shit. He would be fucking... He'd go schizo. He'd give you leprosy. <laughs> really? Really? There's some other ones that are... What are the other ones? I, try to th- I can't actually think of any. I, any of those things that becomes like a... Um, a, you have a kind of like a cultural... Like a meme. Like a meme. That every, like, do you remember the time in the 90s when everything was somethingly challenged? Like oh, vertically yeah. challenged, yeah, yeah, follicularly yeah. challenged, or follicularly challenged. Yes, when it was it was sort of gently lampooning the world of PC. PC, yeah, and and then it felt like it was three or four years before that passed through the system, and then for a while it was, don't go there, right? Don't go there. Don't and even then a, go there. Don't even go there. Talk then, to the hand. There was. I once heard a story that Norm. This is like kind of uh, private gossip, but that. Norm Macdonald went out with Elle McPherson and that the reason he split up with her was because she kept saying don't go there <laughs> don't go there and it was driving him nuts like that is total gossip it's probably got no substance <laughs> to it but don't even go there and like it was just winding him up and then like what other ones there was like for a while it wasn't as widespread but people was like don't be that guy oh that's still happening really yeah a new one is although it's not comic but it's um there was an ad I saw and it said she's got this and then my older boy eight years old sometimes says I got this mm. and it's the idea like I've got this it's like a quintessential uh, it's a very of the moment catchphrase I mean you know I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation as if I'm totally above using all these phrases myself which is not the case I do you know I find myself slipping into using the odd uh, sort of media cliche or meme or whatever it, whatever you want to call it like the ones I resent are the ones that are slightly you, there's a danger that you would be using them for real so like and all the more pretentious ones like in Starbucks I don't use the I don't ask for a venti or a, a well, maybe I do sometimes I think I've started doing that what's that I for don't, a while a I had a guy. policy of um, they don't have small medium and large they have tall grande and, and venti but, but they'll understand if you say medium. yeah yeah right but uh, but technically you're supposed to be saying Tall me, um, grande or venti, and for a while I was like, "That is so stupid and pretentious (laughs) that I I refuse to do that." And then you just get worn down, don't you? And one day you're going like, "I'll have a grande." (laughs) Grande is not as bad as venti. Venti's uh, it comes from. I tweeted that I don't. I refuse to say that. And I only then realised from the replies that it means twenty. Like I guess it's a twenty in Italian. 20 what the ounce of something in Italian yeah twat points 20 twat points yeah is what that is shit no that's no good are there other ones that get on your nerves well you see I'm doing it right there that's no good you know that's that's just English yeah but it's something that I've picked up from somewhere like a little dirty disease Uh, I do when people you know I get criticised sometimes for when someone says how you doing I say I'm good yeah. Uh, go with the American. 
And they say, or rather, I've heard other people say... I wasn't asking for your moral status. (laughs) I've heard some people saying, you know what drives me mental is when people say, I'm good. You know, I'm well is what you want to say. I'm very well, thank you. I'm well. I'm good. No, it's all right, I got it, I'm good. Maybe it's because I quite like, you know, I like... That's the thing, for a lot of Brits and for my sons, I can see that they like the sound of American uh, patter... Yeah. And the conversational rhythms, and it's very attractive, you know. What about dude? Are you all right with saying dude? You know, I don't say dude, but I don't mind if other people say As policy, say it. or uh, you're just afraid? Maybe I'd say it sometimes, but you say it quite a bit. Too much. Do you ever think, that, do you ever think about when you're saying it? Yes, and sometimes I think, is this authentically me, or am I just... Am I just adopting something that's in the culture? But you know, you were probably the reason that I started saying man. man. But it was you and a group of sort of hippie guys at school that used to say Probably, was it? And were you, I mean, the hardcore hippie guys were just, they were were sort of proper hippies. Man on the end of things like, oh, I don't do that, man. Or man as a kind of vocative. Hey, man. Man, what are you doing? No, yeah, not like, oh, man, that's not so bad. But, hey, how you doing, man? How you doing, man? I don't think I do that anymore. Do you not? But then we had teachers who'd say, like, um, that was shape yourself up, man. That's different. That's army. That's an army man. Is it? <laughs> Come on, man, for goodness sake. For goodness sake, man. Buxton, man. What are you doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to say boy, but maybe they thought it was too... Yeah. Yeah, so I try. I I don't know. It's it's funny. It's like writing prose. Like, would you use a sort of English voice or an, or an American voice? And is dude okay? Or I don't know where the chips are going to fall. But mm. I try not to be too fussy. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I guess people are trying to hang on to something that they consider authentically theirs as a Brit. You know, they sort of say, well, let's not just talk exactly the same way that Americans talk. Let's hang on to some sense of identity. Uh, which is, I would say, a fair beef, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like, how do you do? Yeah. What do, what's the answer to that? I do very well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> For real? Yeah. I do very well. I do very that well. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Isn't it I'm fine? <laughs> yeah, if you want to be colloquial. I do very well. I've never heard anyone... Thank you. I think it's just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I do very well. I don't think that's right. <laughs> that sounds like it's an innuendo. I do very well. Well, it, it, <laughs> it is if you say it. If you raise your eyebrows while you say it, then it's innuendo, yeah. Well, I do very well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) If you give me a chance, you might find out. (laughs) No, that's different. I I mean, I I should say at this point, I I don't generally say I do very well, thank you. But I may start now. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Sometimes I've thought about saying um, to an audience when I go on, would this be funny? like to say, hello, good evening, how do you do it? (laughs) <laughs> What's that? That's nothing. Was that what you? Is that it? Did you say that right? I mean, how I, do you do it? This is the first time that I uh, have articulated it in words. It's been like a vague thought that's been spinning around my head. At it bedtime. was funny just then. Yeah. 
There's a funny opening bit Steve Martin used to do. Come on, and says, "Very nice to be here," and he'd be playing his banjo, and then he'd move like a few inches to the side. And go, "Very nice to be here," <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd go on for a little bit, which always was that's a good joke, isn't it? Yeah, it's a peach. Um, where do you stand? Because I've noticed you don't sign your emails, <sighs> Kiss, and I don't want to say my feelings are hurt. But I noticed, I've noticed that about you, that you don't generally... Do I not give you any love? You don't, as a habit, you don't I thought you were. On. I must say, I thought you were on my love list. So sometimes I write L-O-V-E. Maybe you've done that. And I don't want to throw wild accusations. I mean, something I've noticed in being in America is that American men, at least, do not sign kisses... Uh, to each, to each other, even quite close friends. Do they not? No. Well, what are they doing then? They're just saying Ex- uh, best, yours. Best, yeah. Um, and in in Britain, that's considered quite normal, I think. Doing the kisses. Yeah, yeah. Cornballs does kisses. Yeah, I think that's pretty normal. But as I I've been getting a kind of ang- not anxiety, but sort of a sense of I need some consistency. So about a year ago, I just I've more or less eliminated exes. Hmm. From my any kind of correspondence, I must say I've never been a kiss guy. I'll give uh, if I'm emailing my wife, she'll get a kiss, an ex, yeah. Um, but and, and if it's a close friend, they'll get love. Um, or if it's you know if it's someone I really like and and I yeah. think that they're not going to be weird about me writing love, then then they'll get love. Uh, everyone else gets best now, yeah. Uh, which I actually got off cornballs. That's something he picked up. All, a lot of these things are things that you pick up from other people, don't you find? Like yes. emailing techniques. One one great technique that I picked up that that I really like, although I get embarrassed whenever I email this person because I feel like they can see the point at which I nicked it off them, is double spacing the email. Right. Uh, so every line gets um, double spaced because it, it just makes it look, it's much easier to read. Every single line. So you hit return. Twice, twice, not just between paragraphs. Yeah, between para- uh, between paragraphs, but, but but you know, like for an email, it's not the largest one line. Paragraphs. Exactly, it's just one line. I like that too. I sometimes do that. Yeah, but I do it religiously now, and I, 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 as I say, I sometimes feel self conscious when I email this bloke that maybe he's thinking, "You got that off me, you dick." But it's why not would he that think original? <laughs> Is it not? I don't think like no, there's one guy not. who's like pleased with himself that he invented yeah. breaking up his paragraphs. No, exactly. Get, if he's hanging on to that, <laughs> get a grip. <laughs> he's got other things going on. I had a guy life. come in once. He says like I've got a friend and he wants to copyright. This was about t- fifteen <laughs> years ago. Like there was something like how do you copyright like a word like a phrase? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, it's something to do with the internet and emails, okay? And he just wants to copyright a phrase to do with internets and emails and addresses, okay? But how would you do it? Like, he was ostentatiously not telling me in case I ran off with the idea, right? Um, and I said, uh, what? E-dress? And he's like, yeah. I was like, why would you even copyright that? That's stupid. But he thought that was worth... <laughs> Money, I think. Like I've, E-dress, it's so brilliant, it's so simple. It's going to catch on. I want to capitalise on it. Uh, are you, uh, do you have to go? I do you, have to go, oh, yeah. That, that's our guest. All right. Hey, thanks for talking to me, man. Was that the end? Well, we're going to have to conclude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about the thing I invented. Really? Really? Thanks, man. 
This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. A little bit of an abrupt ending there to the Ramble Chat with Louis Theroux. Apologies for that if you're traumatised by abruptness. Uh, thanks so much to Louis. He'll be back on the podcast at some future point, I have no doubt. The only thing that I felt a little bit weird about in that conversation... I always feel weird about one thing in a conversation and think, eh, I feel as if I need to explain myself, was the bit about casting aspersions on my son's choice of phrases, phraseology, you know, with him saying lol and ruffle. And I just, I mean, I was admitting as much to Louis. I, I, I admitted that I felt kind of bad about having mentioned it because that's no good, is it? You should be able to say what you want when you're little. And coming from me as well, I'll, Spongy Buxton, I'll pick up any rubbish phrase and it'll just become part of my lexicon. Uh, I noticed that I've been saying right a lot. I don't think it's like a rubbish phrase exactly, but it's a conversational tick that I've picked up, right? And now I'm saying, right, at the end of sentences, right? And I think, I was thinking about it, I think I got it off Ridley Scott. I don't hang out with Ridley Scott, but I watch a lot of uh, interviews that he gives, like all the alien interviews and stuff on the DVDs there. I've watched all of them a number of times. And he says, right, at the end of sentences, right? And I think maybe it rubbed off on me. Well, that's okay. I mean, it's riddles. You know, if riddles wants to rub anything off on me that's absolutely fine anyway so I feel like a bit of a hypocrite for giving my son a hard time for just trying out a bit of groovy internet speak he doesn't say lol anymore I'm glad to say or ruffle the thing that he came out with recently was as a kind of triumphant flourish at the end of a sentence when he felt that he'd sussed me or his mum out he said uh, babushka <laughs> that's the thing now I don't know if he made it up or if he's seen it on a show or... Babushka! While pointing at me with a triumphant grin. And I thought, well, that's... I'm happy with Babushka. It puts me in mind of Kate Bush, so what's wrong with that? Uh, the next Adam Buxton podcast will feature Joe Cornish. I've already recorded a conversation with Joe. It took us a little while to acclimatize to the new dynamic in the podcast you know with me as the host him as the him as my guest i was kind of asking him questions about what he'd been up to recently and you know we never really talked about that kind of thing on the six music show and indeed on the six music show there was a very different 
kind of atmosphere because it was live, it was the big British castle, it was the morning, it was not appropriate to swear, it was, it was not really appropriate to talk about anything particularly serious. You know, there was no rule against it, but we, we felt like we were happier just being silly, you know, exclusively. And on this podcast, it's nice to be able to drift into quite serious areas occasionally and have an actual real conversation rather than just keeping it 100% goofy, you know. I think maybe what I'll do is put out the conversation that we had and then put out another one some sometime around Christmas because I think Joe's going to come back, maybe pay a visit to the Nutty Room and we're going to do the whole exchanging of presents thing that we used to do on uh, Six Music at Christmas time because that's not what we did last time. We ended up just having a big long discussion about movies and tv shows that we've enjoyed this year joe gave me a lot of good recommendations and uh, but maybe it'll be a bit frustrating for people who wanted something a bit more festive and and silly so being desperate to please uh i'll try and sort out both but no guarantees you know i'll just have to see how it goes but anyway you should expect a special Christmassy podcast gift plopping through your um internet box sometime around uh christmas day that's the deal all right all right (laughs) um what else oh yeah i wanted to say thanks very much to all the people who uh gave me technical advice when i asked for it on twitter uh about compression settings for this podcast i'm trying out some new compression settings this week courtesy of paul farrah a composer who uh also created the daytime quiz show 1000 heartbeats which features a live chamber orchestra the contestants are hooked up to a heart monitor they have to answer questions as many questions as they can within 100 beats of their heart i think that's how it works and there's a little live chamber orchestra there that play live at the tempo of the contestants heartbeats and this was the brain baby of paul farrah anyway thanks so much paul for your help uh, geostats for the podcast I'll just give you the bottom figures just the one listen for the Adam Buxton podcast in the following territories Botswana Mongolia Papua New Guinea Paraguay and Turkmenistan not interested if you're in any of those countries or as I've said before in any other far-flung and exotic location do get in touch let me know what your life is like paint me a detailed picture with words as long as they are interesting words and not boring turd words that sounded a bit rude didn't it but you know what i'm saying get in touch i'd love to hear from you and find out about your life but right now i'm gonna wrap things up and i'm going to do so just fade down the wario's woods music there my remix of the wario's woods music which i don't know i don't know where you find it it's something i taped off a video game that was playing on a Virgin Atlantic flight 15 years ago and I stuck my mini disc into the armrest of my seat because I'd become so obsessed with this piece of music I just taped a 30 second chunk then looped it and put some hand claps on and there you have your outro music bed composed by Shinobu and Soyo Oka 1994 that's all I could find out about it um, yeah so I'm going to fade that down and by way of tribute to a podcast that's been mentioned a few times on this one I'm gonna play a little guitar 
Right. Haven't played this in a while. I think the last time I played this, the uh, Les Paul Epiphone copy was when we were uh, doing a show called The Last Chances for Channel 4 years ago, 2003. And amazingly, despite my prodigious guitar talent, I just never play anymore. I don't know why. It's nearly in tune still, even though I literally haven't touched it for about 10 years. I bet you I still got it, though. regularly wheeze on the wooden floor in the kitchen. That's why there's weird stains there. I love you, bye.